0: Today's reading is from Philippians 2, verses 1 through 11. It's on page 980 in the Bible. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant
1: It's good to be back from our retreat. Is this a little too loud there? we good? Uh, it's good to be back. Um, I, I, I don't know. Some of you didn't get to go to the retreat, and I, I don't make, mean to make you feel kind of bad, but you really missed out. <laughs> it was really great, and um, it was super hot up there, but <laughs> it was also um, really... The thing that... that um, well, just to share a little with you, I was the, our speaker was Pastor Rod Miles, who's a personal friend of mine. Um, he's a little older than me, and he planted a church up in in Marin County, which is one of the most secular, unbelieving places in the whole country. I don't know if you know that. Uh, I think the the percentage of Christians of people who go to church in Marin County, it may be the bottom of the whole country I mean it may literally be the the lowest attending church um, county in the whole country and as he was hanging out with us and observing us and and how he he really he emphasized to me that he marveled um uh, that there was a kind of thickness of love in our in our church and um he 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 sensed really that God was with us and God was in us And I I just want to say, um, just thank you for that, for those of you who are on the retreat. It's especially important because of partly, I mean, it's appropriate that I I talk about this uh, because right here it says, if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, that's the way verse 1 talks. And that was all an evidence. That was all... Coming out so much through the weekend, and um, just want to say thank you so much for that. Uh, for those of you guys who went, who contributed to the retreat, who gave of your heart, who gave of your comfort and of your love and affection while at the retreat. Okay, um, let's let's get into the message today. I don't know if, how many of you know this, but Philippians chapter two, verses one through eleven, it is especially verses six through eleven is one of the most famous portions of scripture and there's a part of me that was trembling as we started go to go toward this passage. Um, I did a little research, I went back and we have we have the spreadsheet doc where I can look up every passage that has been preached, at least in the last six and a half years since I've been the pastor of the church. So I can actually see all the passages that I've preached during during my tenure of, of being your pastor. And I have preached on Philippians 2, 6 through 11, more than any other passage <laughs> that um, I think I've preached on at least four times in the six plus years that I've been here, and, and here, here I am preaching my fifth time. That's how extraordinary this passage is, and th- for this week and the next two weeks, I'm going to spend th- three weeks sitting in this passage. Um, I actually could probably spend 10 weeks on this passage. I'm not kidding. I was looking at this going, okay, I have to choose. There are only so many things I can say, and I decided to just take three weeks. And, um, and, but today, the, this, this passage about Jesus, it's an extraordinary passage that talks about Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. That's, where it's, that's how it starts. He was in the form of God. And actually, that word form, it, says, it means to say he was in the shape of... We tend to think of the word form as in the shape of God. But that's not really what it means. In Greek, that word form actually means of the most fundamental essence. So let me actually say, translate this a little bit, which I think gets a little bit more at the deep, deeper meaning. Jesus Christ who though he was of the essence of God, that which makes God, God. Jesus Christ, though he was in the essence of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, that is the way this most extraordinary portion of Scripture, verses 6 through 11 starts but before we get to that verse 6 through 11 it's all set within a context and the context is Paul is urging the Philippian church to be a certain way <laughs> he's urging the church to be a certain way and this is the way I would like us to be <laughs> this is the way I urge us to be and it has a lot to do with encouragement and unity and humility and affection And I want to get at that today in three parts. Part one, equality with God and grasping after the delusion of control. That's what I'm going to talk about in part one. Equality with God and grasping after the delusion of control. Part two, the stuff of heaven and needing others for a fullness of joy, for a completion of joy. Because that's what he says. He says if you even have some... Encouragement, even if you have any affection, then complete my joy. Complete my joy, which is another way of saying my joy is incomplete. There is something missing in my joy, and I need it. I need something more of my joy when you, you and those others who are my family members in the church, when you complete it by being of a certain mind like Jesus. That's part two, the stuff of heaven in needing others for the completion of joy. And part three, the power of encouragement with the heart and mind of Jesus. Right? The power of encouragement with the heart and mind of Jesus. Um, part one, equality with God and grasping after the delusion of control. Verse six is what I've been quoting to you. This, verse six through 11 is so um, it's, it stands out so much in Scripture to so many people that a lot of biblical scholars suspect that verses 6-11 through 11 was sung. It, it has this, There's a kind of poetic ring through verse 6-11 or 11 in the Greek. And people think that it was a hymn. It was, it, must, it was sung in the churches. And when Paul is talking about this Jesus who was in the form of God, who was in the essence of God, made himself nothing, and then he goes on to essentially say the gospel. That's really what verses 6 through 11 is. He was in the form of God, made himself nothing. He made himself into human form and then he became a servant. He obeyed God even to the extent of being humiliated on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him. He took him to the highest place and there is no other name. There is no other name higher than Jesus. That's what it says. And all of that really is encapsulated in, in five or, or six verses. Six through 11 is encapsulated in those verses there. It's, it's a little, it's a, it's a nugget of the gospel. But verse six in particular, I want to show you this. Jesus Christ, he was of the essence of God, but he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. The first thing I want to say to us is that is a critique of fallen, of the fallen human mind. What he's saying is, all human beings—that includes you and me—and certainly this is so true in our culture—is that we all think that we should grasp after equality with God. And if we have something like equality with God, then my life, then my life will be so rich. It'll be so full. Um. Well, we want, and, 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 and I, I mean, just I, I want to just think about this for a moment. Um, I'm not, I don't grasp after equality of God, Pastor. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't think that I want to be equal with God, so why do you think that this passage has relevance as a critique toward me or to us and the way we live? Of course, we, we, I want to say something to you today, and I, I don't mean to be mean toward you or harsh, but of course you do, <laughs> You want to be rich and rule over everything in your life. <laughs> you want to have control and, like God, reign over everything and everybody obey you and do, does what you want. you want. You want to be obeyed that when you tell your children or your coworkers or even your friends, now... You don't, we don't typically tend to think of our friends as obeying us, but when you hang out with them, if they do something that goes against your will, if they go against your will, isn't that enough to put some kind of wedge in the friendship? And if they go against your will enough, it could break the friendship. And then, and that, and then of course, you and I want equality with God. If they do something bad enough that goes against your will... You wish you could cast your friend off into judgment. (laughs) So this is what we do. We have our coworkers. We judge them. Why? Because we grasp after equality of God. Um, That person, that, I mean, that person is so full of BS. (laughs) And if, if, if everybody knew what that person was like, they would utterly be ostracized, which is really what hell is. That's what we do. We do this all the time. We want power. We want riches. We want obedience. We want everything to go according to my will. Let my will be done in my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's really the prayer that we pray. The, The prayer that Jesus taught us to pray is, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, May your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But actually the thing that we long for all the time is may my will be done on my kingdom in my earth in all my realms in my family in my marriage in my work, heck, in the supermarket line may my will be done. May that stupid person may that stupid person move along and get their credit card out faster and not have ha, have, a, have a check on their price line so I can get out of here faster, and may my will be done. Isn't that what we're like all the time? Hmm. I'm like that. <laughs> I'm like that. If the person you know, starts fumbling with their check, uh, as soon as they pull out a checkbook, uh, in, in the, as soon as they pull out a checkbook in, 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 at, at Safeway or Lucky's, I just go, oh gosh. I was like, checkbook. It's like, can't you just have a credit card? Come on, lady. That's how I think. And so, um, this past week, um, this past week, I, I, I'm in a discussion group with a bunch of other uh, church leaders. Some are elders, and some are pastors, and some are just very committed Christians in their church. And they're all around the country. They they they're connected to the church that my wife and I were. Um, we were active at a church called New Life Presbyterian Church of Glenside, which is actually in Greater Philadelphia. And um, one of the pastors there shared, and it was a lengthy article from Vanity Fair. And he said, "This is one of the most disturbing things I have read in a while." And so, of course, he shares it with all the other uh, uh, the Christians. And this, and so I I read this, and it was it was uh, Tinder, and the apocalypse of dating. That's that's what the that's what the article was about. And, it, and really what it was, it, it was describing how young people approach dating, which is really the, what the article was basically is they don't date. And it was in kind of the way young people um, do the, the, the interaction of the sexes in, in the major cities and how they use this app on their smartphone called Tinder. Did Any of you guys familiar with Tinder? Um, just uh, I, to my surprise, m- uh, my youth pastor—I was having this conversation with Frank, our youth pastor—and I said, "Frank, you ever heard of Tinder?" He said, "Oh yeah, Pastor Seuss, I've heard of Tinder." <laughs> and I was "They're going, you have." <laughs> I was looking <thinking>, you have. <laughs> How do you know about Tinder? And uh, and one of the brothers—he's he's a younger guy. He he thanked the pastor who um, shared the article, and he said, "Thank you for sharing that article." It was really eye-opening. He goes, but I, I wish I hadn't read it. <laughs> I don't know exactly what he meant. Um, just, just a. This is what it's what's going on. <laughs> um, Young people today are lonely, and they live fast-paced and busy lives. Especially if you live in an expensive city like New York. I mean, you know, this, they were describing the, the behavior of singles in New York, in particular. I mean, this, but this is going on in Boston. It's going on. I'm sure it's going on in San Jose, um, because we're an expensive, fast-paced city. And young people today don't even bother trying to actually have a relationship or a date, since their time is limited. They just want to cut to the chase and have sex. So here's, apparently, this is a pretty normal thing on the behavior of Tinder. Guys will just look at girls, and any girl, actually, I don't even think they care if the girl's especially good looking or not. So what happens in Tinder is you say yes if you like the other person, and if the other person says yes to you, then that enables you to try to you know, set up a date or something. Except it's not a date. It, it's, it's just a hookup. It's just straight sex. So guys just go, yes, 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 yes. They just swipe, yes, 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 yes. And as soon as the other girl goes, yes, back, then he goes, then they text. I- I'm free in 20 minutes. Like, in 20 minutes. <laughs> and so apparently, um, sex is like fast food because of Tinder. So guys, and they describe the guys and the guys are, they're not good looking, they're not, um, they don't have a you know, great job. They, just, they describe this one guy who was describing his, his uh, experience on Tinder, and he's a kind of a loser actually. He didn't have a job, he was living with his parents. <laughs> and, um, and, but apparently this guy, because he has this app, and can do this, has had sex with 40 different girls in 30 days <laughs> I, I read that and I was like what and I, I, I shared this article with, with the other pastors and um, Pastor Young and I were discussing this in the office this past week and Young said to me reading that article made me mildly depressed I don't know exactly what he meant let me read the verse. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any not a lot. If there's a lot of no, that's not what he said. If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love. So that means there could be even a little. Right? Any mean doesn't any cover little? It does. If, even if there's a little, which means there's any, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. I, I was thinking about this verse all week long, and I was thinking about the the Tinder app and what it says about us as a people. Now, I, I'm sure some of you don't necessarily use Tinder, but... That feeling that you and I have, okay, maybe not all of you, but I have, and some of you have with me, when you're standing in Safeway, and just because a lady pulls out a checkbook, and you just go, oh, come on. And then you you go, you 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 drop into the equality of God's seat and you start raining down judgment upon her, stupid lady. May you be cast out. <laughs> because you are making my life just a little bit more inconvenient. That, that's the same spirit as Tinder. You, do you guys get that? It is the same spirit. This is not a person with infinite worth who is cherished by God, who, who, whom God sent his son to spill out his most precious blood to pay for this person's sins so that God could rain down and shower upon this person infinite love for all eternity. That's what the human being is. That person standing in front of you at Safeway, the the girl who you just go, good looking, not good looking, or whatever. (laughs) I mean, that we use power, we can use apps, on, on a smartphone, we should start calling it the evil phone. <laughs> There's a part of you I wonder, like, we should just call it the evil phone. <laughs> the, the smart evil phone. <laughs> because these other people are just pawns in my kingdom when I grasp after equality with God. This is our life. And I, I thought about this. I said, I said, okay, maybe most of the Christians, I sure hope most of the Christians aren't using apps to treat women and men. By the way, the, the, the girls do this to the guys, too. It's not like just guys do this to the girls. Girls do this to the guys. But, and, of course, we, we do this to other people in general. And... And, and that was super depressing to me. All this week, I was thinking, this is so normal in our society. Does not God have every right to cast us out? Does he not? Does he not? If God is infinitely wise and just and merciful and loving, and then when he looks at this people and looks into our city, and in the Christians, I'm not okay. I'm not even talking about the non-Christians. In the Christians, there is a tender spirit, if not exactly a tender behavior. And yet Paul says, if there's any encouragement, um, that's part one message. I know that's heavy. We live in a very dark I I know the weather's pretty good. And I know and you know I'm I'm a bit of a coffee snob. Okay, I'm I'm a full-on coffee snob. And uh I like going to Phil's and I recently I, I, I drank the most expensive cup of coffee there, Jamaican something, something. I forget what it was called. It was good. <laughs> I'm like, whoa. I said, okay. I, I'm going to pay $10 next time. Not 7 Because I want the large. <laughs> and um, And that's nice. But Is there encouragement, comfort from love, participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy? Do we have that? How much of that do we have? How much of that? There are people in our city, some of your neighbors, and maybe you, who have very little or none. They don't have encouragement in Christ. They don't have comfort from love. They have have really nice coffee and they can have sex almost on demand. And they have money, so they don't even have to go to the supermarket line, Google or Amazon delivers their groceries because they got money. (laughs) But if you don't have these things, encouragement, comfort from love, you're really a very, very sad and poor person. Part two of my message is this. This is the stuff of heaven. It is. Um, There are people in our city who have a very, very modest roof over their head. The roof over their head is kind of like a shack. I I actually kind of know what this is like because my wife and I live in a house that feels kind of like a shack. (laughs) We live in a very modest house, even though it's an incredibly expensive neighborhood. And I was thinking about this this past uh, week Um, I I had a couple bouts of insomnia this past week, and my wife was snoring away. (laughs) And i was like, I'm I'm sitting there going, I'm so glad she's sleeping well. And it was about 2 a.m., and I could hear a little scurry on the top of my roof. Because on our house... When the squirrel jumps off the tree and runs on the roof, you can hear it. I'm sitting there going, like, the squirrel. Because our house it doesn't have, like, an attic. It, it's There's a part of it that's kind of like a shack, honestly. I, I'm, I'm not trying to get you to feel sorry for me or anything, because I'm actually incredibly um, grateful for my um, million-dollar shack. <laughs> because <laughs> uh, I live in Cupertino, okay? But it's a shack, okay? It's, it's a glorified shack. Um, um, it's about, the, the, there's like this much wood on my roof, and um, when the, the, the squirrel goes, I can hear it. I can hear him, okay? And, um, but I have encouragement from many of you. I have a comfort from love, I have a participation in the spirit. I have much affection in my life. I'm a rich person. You do not have to feel sorry for me (laughs) because I live in a shack. There are people who live in real shacks that that aren't worth a million dollars and they need food stamps, but they have Christ. They have a church family that gives them affection. That picks them up when they're down. And there's just a time lag. Pastor Rod at our, our, at our retreat said this. If you have this, you are an heir of everything. You are rich. And there's just a time lag before everything. You will reign with Jesus. And you'll have everything. But actually, in this time now, These things are the stuff of heaven. It is. And Jesus, Jesus, he he did have equality with God. Because you have equality of God if you're God. (laughs) He was of the essence of God. That means he has every attribute of God. You understand? That means omniscience. Got that. Check Jesus Christ. Omniscience. Check. I can burn angels. Check. Raise the dead. Yep, can do that. But according to this passage, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. And gave himself into the form of a servant. Why? So that he could encourage us. He could comfort us with his love. So that he could invite us to have participation with the Spirit. Because do you know that Jesus, though he was in the essence of God, he did not come here to fling around and push around all his almighty weight. Instead, Jesus came and put himself into the dependence of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will participate in the Holy Spirit and do this with the people I walk with. That's what Jesus came for And he came, of course, to give us affection and sympathy. (laughs) Have any of you ever thought about this? I I, I think about this often. Um, I think about how Jesus had dinner parties. And I think about who's at that dinner party. I think about the the elite of the culture being at the dinner party. So, I mean, you, you really should think about this. If Jesus walked into San Jose... There would be a dinner party. Who would be in that dinner party? The mayor? The top Catholic bishop? You know, Intellectual pastors like me? Who, 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 who have very deep well of theology? I'm not trying to brag. My theology is really good. <laughs> I know the stuff, okay? Huh. Maybe I'd be at that table... Um, Some dot-com billionaire could be at that table possibly. And then a hooker who was raped by her uncle, who does heroin, might be at that table. Um, A beggar who, uh, who suffers PTSD because he can't control his fear and his rage, because he lives on the street now, because his wife left him, and he's no longer employed, because when he was in Iraq, he suffered tremendous fearful things, and watched his body blow up from a mind bomb. Maybe that guy would be at this dinner table. And there would be, other people, the, the young teenager who's depressed and on, on medication and is sitting at this table. And Jesus, don't you think, can't you just see this? Jesus is at this table. And it's remarkable the effect that Jesus has on these people when he's at these dinner parties. These tremendously bottom of the... scraping the bottom of the barrel people. They they light up when they're around Jesus. You've got to know that Jesus looks at them with affection and sympathy and encouragement. And though he is of the essence of God... (laughs) Just affection and sympathy and encouragement pours out on him and shines at him so powerfully that people who have no business showing up at the rich guy's house walk straight into the house. This is the kind of stuff that happens when Jesus is around. The hooker walks into the house because she knows Jesus will give her affection. Hmm. And so what does Paul say? Paul says this to the church. If you have any encouragement, affection, participation in spirit, even any of these things, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having of the same love, being in full accord of one mind, And then you know what mind he's talking about? The mind of Jesus. (laughs) That's what he's saying. Complete my joy. I want you to all be like, have this same mind, have this same love, in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And this is the mind you should have. Have this mind among yourselves, which you can have in Jesus. And then he describes Jesus. That's what he says. And I want to just, I want to, I want to just drop this, this. Complete my joy by being of, of this mind. If somebody else needs to complete your joy, that means your joy in and of yourself is incomplete. Do you understand? Complete my joy implies incompletion of joy. The stuff of heaven is all of these things. Do Do you notice if you have a little bit of money and if you have a really awesome coffee, And if a really good looking girl says yes on the app, it doesn't have any of that stuff. It says encouragement, comfort, participation in spirit, affection, and sympathy. Those are the things he talks about. Then he says, now let's seek a completion of joy. How does the completion of joy happen? Two steps. Number one, other people will run. To a servanthood humility, to offer others encouragement, affection, participation in the Spirit. That's what they do. They'll all run to this. And two, they'll all run to this because they've looked at Jesus. Do this for them. That's how joy is made complete. This set of verses right here, verses one, through five, before he gets to the gospel part, in verse six, that's the secret of heaven. That is everything that heaven is going to be like. This is what, when everything is completed by Jesus, everybody will do this every day, forever and forever. And you and I will have a joy that overflows all the time. All the time. But in the meantime, he says, let's run to this. And this week, while I was feeling kind of depressed after reading that article, (laughs) I, I, I thought about this a lot. I was thinking about the retreat. I was thinking about how, because of the gospel, I have so many people in my life that give me this in one way or another just in, in little ways, in big ways, sometimes in big ways. Um, I, I love my, well, we call, the small groups at our church, we call GLF, I, I love my GLF. Friday, I walked into, I went, well, I walked to Hung and Sue's house, because they hosted on Friday. Uh, I had eaten a really late lunch, so I wasn't even hungry. And I ate some of the dinner, not because I was hungry, but because... It was made with such care. And I ate that food. And I knew while I was eating the food, I was eating love. It was really good. And when we shared, I don't know. It's like, it's not like we have all these deep things to say. And then when we prayed for each other, it was so good. I was thinking about this passage. I was thinking about this passage. I was thinking about it all because Jesus has touched my brothers and touched my sisters. Like, for those few hours, I just had this. I was thinking about the retreat. I have this. Every day, I have this. And regardless of if I have money or the quality of my house or if I have insomnia or whatever, I will never not have this. Forever, and forever, I will have heavenly affection and sympathy and comfort of love. And all the people around me will participate in the Holy Spirit because Jesus did this for us. Because Jesus made himself nothing and did this for us. I'm going to have this. This is my life. I sat there and so I'm thinking, I will always have what it takes to push back the depression. I will have, always have what it takes to push back the hopelessness. I will have always what it takes to push back the loneliness and the darkness. Always. Always. I will always have my church family. I will always have people around me. Jesus will always do this to people around me. And even in the, the days and weeks, as a pastor even, when I feel low, I will always have this. I will have you. And I know some of you will feel hurt, and some of you get cynical, and some of you feel down. But I know you will do this. I know you will. And when you do this, man, you're, just, you're going to complete my joy. You know that? You are going to put a power into my heart. I don't know if you know this, um, I think many of you think, okay, Pastor Zong is a strong guy. He's a smart guy. He's Mr. Holy Guy. That's why I come to the church. Okay, I don't know if you actually say that. I know many of you respect me. I know many of you love me. But do you know that you encourage me? Do you know that you give me that when you run to affection with each other and I know that even in the smallest way it comes from Jesus that I know that the Holy Spirit is in you and you and I are participating in the Holy Spirit and God will never be defeated in our city. Do you know that? And it gives me such tremendous encouragement. You complete my joy a lot. Many of you. Um, Sue didn't know this. She's just, it wasn't a fancy dinner, but there was love in it. There was welcome. There was hospitality. There was servanthood. There was Jesus in it. Let me just close my message. Um, the, the power of encouragement. If you put on the mind of Christ, something will pour out of your heart. You put on this mind of Christ, something pours out of your heart. And because we are so fixated with the grasping after equality with God power, our city is an arrogant city. It's an arrogant city, an impatient city, a lonely city. It's a decadent city. And really a sad city. It's just so, I I feel it. But, and they think the power is to be like that guy who lives up in the hills with a billion dollars. That guy has power. That guy doesn't have power. You know who has power? The person who has the mind of Christ. And then out of his heart, flows encouragement and affection and sympathy and comfort. There is incredible power in this because that's the stuff of life with the capital L. That's the stuff that death cannot defeat. Sin cannot defeat because this is the stuff that Jesus brings. And um, I'll just cl- close with um, just a picture of this this past week, uh, on Friday, I, I had, um, you know, most of my um, chewing on my sermon was 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 done, and I knew I had um, I had a, uh, you know, I, there's there's always work to do, but um, but I, I knew I had uh, some flexible time on Friday. Wednesday, was it Wednesday? I think it was Wednesday. No, it was Thursday actually. It was Thursday. It was Thursday. I, I took my kids to jujitsu. And so I had, you know, I, I usually drop off the kids jiu-jitsu and then I, I, I do some work for the next hour and then I pick them up. <laughs> um, but I decided I'm just going to do a little reading and, um, and I was listening to this podcast episode of this guy, he's a Christian and he was talking about a portion while he was listening um, that he, there was a, somebody in his church that he wanted to encourage, see, it's about encouragement, <laughs> There was somebody in his church that he wanted to encourage, and then this uh, brother got into some kind of car accident and died before he could invite him over for dinner. And so, as an act of love, he, with the pastor, they—they they, uh, he's Eastern Orthodox Christian, and they actually the church comes in to embalm the body. <laughs> they don't—they don't send professionals. The church does this. So he assisted the pastor to caringly care for this brother's body to prepare him for burial and for resurrection. He did this. And while he was sharing this, I sat there and, and the Holy Spirit said something to me. There is a, there is an, there is a brother in our church. His name is Keduck Yang. He's one of our elders, and he has cancer. And a few months ago, I wanted to spend time with him because who knows when his cancer might take a bad turn. And I wouldn't get this time to fellowship with him. And so I had this really intense summer and I had forgotten about having a cup of coffee with Elder Yang. And so as soon as I heard that podcast him say that, the Holy Spirit said, call him now. Don't wait. I, I actually whipped out my, my iPhone, and then I was going to put in a memo, call <laughs> Elder Yang, set up coffee. I put that into my memo, and then I was thinking like, dummy, do it now. And then I, then I stopped. I stopped in the middle of typing that thing, and I, I go to the phone, and I called him up. And, da, 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 and I got to like the fifth ring and I was thinking like, oh, you know, I guess I'm going to have to leave a message. And then he picked up. And he was free on Friday. And I had this time. Go, Pastor, can you come over to my store? He, he has a dry cleaners. He owns a dry cleaners in Sunnyvale. So, and apparently the economy hasn't been very good so his store hasn't been doing really great lately. But, um, I said, sure. He goes, why don't you come? And um, he seemed eager to receive me. He said, come over at lunchtime. And then in the morning, he sent me an email. So he goes, why don't you come earlier? <laughs> I said, um, okay. <laughs> and so uh, I said, I can't. He said, you can come at 11. I said, I'll be there at 11.20, okay? <laughs> um, anyway, I, I drove over there. He's been, in, he's been in this church a long time. Um, I think he came into this church in 1992. That's more than 20 years. I don't know if some of you know this, but in the early 90s, we had a terrible scandal in our church. The senior pastor, he had some kind of sexual addiction or something, and he would make appointments with women and sexually harass them. That happened in our church. And when that came out, it powerfully, I mean, as you can imagine, it just tore the church apart. And the other elders at the time couldn't quite agree on how to handle the situation. And, I mean, long story short, it split the church. It split the church in the early 90s. And um, at the time, kidok Yang, he wasn't one of the elders. You know, he, he's just one of the, he's one of the deacons. Uh, He was a well-respected deacon in the church. He was close. There was a couple of elders that wanted to split off the church and then go to another portion of the city. He was actually personally very close to those men, but he just could not agree to the split. He said, I I don't agree with it. And there were a number of people who were in the church who were very new Christians. They were young Christians. They were baby Christians. They They were immature people. And... Some of them asked ki Dong yang would you stay? Don't go on the split. Would you stay and walk with us? And he did. And actually, m- most of the really mature Christians went with the, the split off of the church. But ki Dong yang stayed um, And he stayed with the less mature Christians. And I didn't know this story. I didn't know. I know most of the leaders in the church, uh, a lot of the prominent leaders in the church were on the other side. And I know them. Some of them I know very personally. One of them is my uncle. (laughs) Um, So I really know him pretty well, obviously. But I didn't know too much about the other group. And so... um, we had a really long conversation and he began sharing with me about things that happened in our church history and about his life. I spent more than 3 hours with him on Friday. And he was telling me about what it was like when it when with the other church the other portion of the church. They brought in a, a new young pastor who, who according to Elder Yang he was he was a very good pastor and the pastor started, and the church started to grow. And people started encouragement. But one of the elders at the time, one of the other elders, he said that guy was a troublemaker. He was, he was a control freak. Started attacking that pastor, eventually pushed that pastor out. The church started a cave. They started having um, interim pastors. Um, and then just for the next several years, there was just heartache after heartache after a heartache. And Quduk Yang, at that time, do you know what, what, what minister he served? <laughs> he served the youth minister. <laughs> I, I don't know, uh, many of you uh, younger, especially Asian Christians, when you think of elder, you don't think of him as a youth teacher, do you? He was a youth teacher. <laughs> and his mind was often on the young people in the church. And I thought about that. And he stayed in this church. He stayed in this church after heartache after heartache. And uh, at one point, I think they had like 150, 200 adults. They just bled, bled, bled people until they got down to something like 20. And then finally, they had the building, so they had the mortgage. And so, and even though, the amount of money that was owed on the building had had become pretty low. They still couldn't handle it. And they said, a bunch of the other people from the other church, didn't they sacrifice for our building? Let's go ask them if they would reconcile with us. And you know who led that effort? Q. Doug Yang. (laughs) Him and one of the elders, they led that effort. One last story about him before I close on my message. I think it was about two years ago. About two years ago, we invited the elders to come and work, have worship with us. I don't know how many of you remember that day. And all the elders sat in this room, and they came, and then they had to go, you know, do something in their own service. But they sat with us in the first half of the service, and there was there was I think four of them that day, or maybe five of them, and. When all the elder elders looked like they were about halfway out, Elder Yang stayed, stood up there, <laughs> and he had this joy on his face. He had this joy on his face. He was looking out to the room. Um, uh, some of them, some uh, there were a couple of them whom he served as you, as a youth teacher years ago, and he had this joy, and. He he and then he before he left he he had to say I mean he had, you know he he speaks with his accent and he started talking about how he cares about the our congregation and how he prays for us and how he's happy for us and I was thinking about that Sunday and I was thinking about all the years when which he watched the church get torn apart again so the 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 split portion those folks. Went through one horrific split. But he watched, in the remaining, he watched division happen every two years for like seven years. And he stayed to give affection and sympathy and love for a very broken people. And when I was sitting with him, and we were sitting in his dry cleaner in the back having this conversation, this is a man who has cancer. He has tumors in his body. That guy has power. He had joy. He had radiance. He, he asked about me. He asked about you. He asked about our congregation. He asked about what he could do for us. That's what he, we talked about. because this man has this. He has this encouragement from the mind and heart of Jesus. Um, brothers and sisters, this is it's power. If we have 10 Keduk Yangs in this church, you know, we could change this city. Do you know that? If we have 10 or 12 duck Yangs in this church, this church will have incredible power. <laughs> 10 or 12 keduk Yangs can affect 90 or 100 other people. And they'll take 90 or 100 baby Christians and push them to run like this. And if you have 100 people who run like this, you know what will happen? People in our city will run to our church and say, what is going on in your church? this is incredibly powerful and um, some of you are proto elder yangs <laughs> i see it in you already some of you are you already have the makings of him you already have the makings of the mind and heart of jesus it's incredibly powerful and you make me happy all the time and so um, don't stop don't stop. Run to Jesus. Let's all put on this mind, and let's have this heart. And uh, it'll, and we'll bring something really heavenly into our city. Let's pray, uh, Lord. Friday afternoon, I sat in that parking lot after three hours of spending time with my brother, my leader, Elder Ying, and I wept. I wept with joy and gratitude Because I knew you were alive, Jesus, and you are our King. And I knew, I listened to his stories, and I knew that New Hope Church was gonna be like this. I knew that New Hope Church was gonna have many more Elder Yangs coming. I knew that New Hope Church was going to have the mind and of the heart of Jesus. I knew that you had kept him in this church so that this church could become like this Philippians church. And the power of heaven to come into this city because I knew that you had done this in him and you will do this in us. And you were telling me, that's why I brought you here so you can meet men like him you can help revive all that he has prayed for and all that he has worked for and all that Jesus gave him to do, gave us to do. Brothers and sisters, this isn't drudgery. This isn't some kind of like chore. This isn't some annoying obligation. This is something we get to do. This is our reward. This is our riches. You and I get to walk together and help form Elder Yangs in each other's hearts and let Jesus be spilled out in each other. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room right now. Pray for them, those who are young, those who are old. All that you were doing this past weekend at the retreat site, all that you have done through Elder Yang, all that you are doing in our GLS, I, would, I pray that we remember if there's even just any of this going on, any encouragement in the Spirit, we would complete each other's joy, we would put on the mind and heart of Jesus, and let the power of His life spill out I pray that you would do this in us. You would, you would give us this heart of patience and of laughter, of endurance and of gladness, and our church would radiate with the stuff of heaven. Thank you, Lord. Um, I know I ramble and I go on. I pray that you would use all that I've talked about today and put it into our hearts. And make us have this heart of Jesus. Pray in his name.
0: Come on.